what I have to share this morning uh, will be like the wisdom of God, which is first, it's, it's gentle, it's easy to be entreated. You know, the wisdom of God is, is full of his love, it's full of truth, and, and it's powerful. Um, and if I had a title for this, I would call it, The Righteous or Bold as a Lion. That's uh, taken from a verse in, in the Psalms, which I don't even think we're going to refer to, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. And I felt moved to go in this direction because there has been news lately, and perhaps you've heard it as well, that, uh, that more COVID is on the way, or maybe it's already here. I'm not even sure which. I don't pay close enough attention to know which it is. Uh, and, and there's talk of shutdowns and um, masks, you know, all these things, all the familiar stories that we went through. Um, probably a renewed emphasis on getting a, a vaccine uh, and especially, and this is what I wanted to address, like the first time around and an ancient tactic of Satan, a spirit of fear that went out over the land and that was pushed by him relentlessly. This has never stopped. It's not like that came out of the blue with the first go-around. That has always been a tactic of his. But he wants to push the people of God with fear. I mean, did you know that fear and faith are not friendly bedfellows? You know, they don't like to exist with one another. Uh, and, and that's the truth. Satan would like to push you into making decisions based on fear rather than on revelation. He wants to guide and direct us. And if Satan can get us uh, making decisions based on worry and fear, then we remove ourselves from his guidance, from his being able to take us where he would like us to go, where he has actually prepared for us to go. Do you know that he has prepared good works for you to walk in from before the foundation of the world? Before he even said, let there be light, he, was, he already had you, you, you know, us, in his heart, and he's going... Richard's going to do this, you know. Uh, he, you know, he had that all in his heart when he said, let there be light. He prepared beforehand for each one of us, you know, not just some of us, but each one of us to walk in the works that he's prepared for us. It's not something that we, that, uh, well, I, I can't do that. Well, it's, the truth is, no, you can't do it, but you can with God's ability. He will empower each one of us to do the thing that he has for us. Satan would like to knock you off of kingdom business. And you know, he does, yes, he comes to kill, steal, and to destroy. And I, I know that all too well. Uh, but if he can use fear to dim the light of God in your life, then 
then he's accomplished his purpose in causing you to be idle and not doing the thing that God made you for. If he can uh, dim the light of revelation, the, dim the, the witness that you have for Christ, then he will have accomplished what he's looking for, which is to knock you off of what God has prepared you for. If he can cause you to be ineffective, um, this is what, what Satan tried, and I'm not, I'm not even going to go through this record, but with Nehemiah, uh, when he was, went to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall, there were these two opponents, two enemies, Sambalat and Tobias, and they used words to cause fear and doubt. We're going to tell the king that you're in rebellion. You know, we're going to tell on you. That's where they started. I mean, it was that, you know, it sounds childish, but, you know, we're, we're going to report you to, I don't know, the IRS, you know, and, and to cause Nehemiah to get off the track. Well, it didn't work. And, you know, and, you know, if it doesn't work, uh, if you refuse to fear their fear, then Satan wants to ramp things up, and that's exactly what happened then. He, they kept ramping it up, ramping up the opposition, ramping up the opposition. That's okay. Did it stop them from building the wall and completing their task? No, the answer is no. It did not stop them. And we do not have to be stopped regardless of what level of that opposition comes against us. And we want to be prepared. In Isaiah chapter 8, have you ever been at a place in your life where you feel like the forces of evil are arrayed against you? You know, where it just seems like everything is coming against you uh, all at once. There's this and this, and maybe they've even united against you. Well, actually, that, I think that's the truth. That's the spiritual truth anyway. But in Isaiah uh, chapter 8, verse um, 11, For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people, saying, Say not a confederacy to all them to whom this people shall say a confederacy. Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. And what he is saying is, it looks like all these enemies have joined themselves together against you. They've, they've made a confederacy. They've joined themselves together to war against you, to fight against you, you know, to take from you what you have, to remove you from the thing that you are doing for the Lord. Say don't say it's a confederacy, neither, and this is the point, don't fear their fear. Don't fear their fear, neither be afraid. Do not fear their fear. Um, they will want to take you that way. They'll want to restrict your travel. They'll want to shut down public places, and, and ultimately, and I think the aim of it all is to shut down the gathering of, of believers, to shut down the church. And 
one of the great decisions that was made here was an early um, coming back into the church as a congregation and worshiping together. God did great things, and he's still doing great things. Praise God. I thank God for our pastor. I really do. Uh, I had no idea when I came into this church uh, what things were going to be like, and I thank God every day for what he has done. And you know, and this is a little off track, it's a bit unique, this church. From my experience, a majority of the people that come into the church, or a significant number of the people, their testimony is that God led them here, that God brought them here. And maybe that's part of the reason we're off tucked away in a neighborhood not very visible because God is, is saying, I'm going to bring soldiers of the cross into this congregation to do a work that a, that a shallower and wider ministry not, may not be able to do. I, I think of this one deeper and, and widening. It's widening. The reach is going out and out. And I just praise God for that. And I think like Nehemiah, we are being called to and always have been. No compromise. There's no, well, I'll be nice to you, enemy, if you be nice to me. You know, I, he'll tempt you that way. You know, I'll go part way. I'll do this, this part, and then you'll just leave me alone, right? And it, it's not that way. If he gets a bit of you, then he wants more, and he wants more. And, and we are to live a life of no compromise. There's no halfway. We must be like the house of Stephanus, and, and I'd like to turn there. That's in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and verse 15, and Paul is saying something very strong here. He's saying, I beseech you, and, and okay, put that in, you know, beseech is a good English word, but I'll put it a little bit more modern. I beg you. I beg you, I beg you to be like the house of Stephanus. Did I tell you it was verse 15? That, is, that it is the first fruits of Achaia and that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. And it wasn't just Stephanus who led that church who had addicted himself to the ministry of the saints. But the house of Stephanus, the church that was there, that household of faith that worshipped with Stephanus, they, the congregation, had addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. And what that tells me is that they were all in. They were all in. There, was, there wasn't a toe in or an ankle in or even knee deep. They weren't partway in. They, they were like when we get water baptized. They, they were all in. They went all the way in and nothing held back. We don't need bridges to our past. Those bridges, just burn them. If they're not burned already, go ahead and burn them. Um, 
The time for dipping our toe in, honestly, it's over. And I invite you, and I, I, I would say that the Holy Spirit invites you to go all in. To present your bodies a living sacrifice. Well, what does that mean? It means everything you are. I mean, you can't separate your body from your soul, your spirit. It's everything that you are is to be all in. You know, present your bodies, everything you are. And many people, are, they, they fear letting go of everything and letting God have it all. They're like, well, I'm not sure what he's going to require of me. He might want my smoking, for instance. Uh, you know, well... First of all, he doesn't smoke. He doesn't want your smoking. The, the other thing, and that's just a silly example, but the things that people worry about in coming to the Lord and what is he going to require of them, those, that's, what, that's not what he's asking. He's asking for you completely, unreservedly, all in. The rest of those things he will take care of in his way. That's not, that, that's not a problem for him. Those things are easy for him. He can do, do it as, as his plan unfolds for your life. He's faithful. I love the songs that we sang in worship this morning because they were about trusting God. He is worthy to be trusted. We don't need a little side bag to draw from just in case because he's everything. So, what are you worrying about? What are you afraid of? Are, are, are you afraid of death? And if you are, if you're afraid of death, and that is coloring your decision making, why? Why would that color your decision making? You know, it reminds me of, of a show that we like to watch, Doc Martin. And he's, uh, if anybody's ever seen it, and he's this curmudgeonly doctor in England. And uh, sometimes a, a patient is there, and he says this and that, and, well, Doc, am I going to die? And his answer always is, yes, but not now. <laughs> right? Uh, so, but for the believer... Why would we be held by the fear of death? 1 Corinthians, we're already right here, chapter 15, just back a page, in verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? How many times I've said that to myself in the things that have transpired in my life. Where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law, which has been, has been subsumed and fulfilled, and we're under a new covenant, not with the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. That's all in. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why do you know that? Because we know, as we've been uh, taught recently, has been preached recently, that 
treasures in heaven are laid up for us. Where is our treasure? Are we so desperately trying to hold on to this life? Which, by the way, you can't. You you can't keep yourself alive. You can't keep your children alive. You can't keep your loved ones alive. That's in God's hands. But we can give our lives to Him and live. Really live. Really live. That's where I want to be. I want to be unreservedly, wholeheartedly, always abounding with nothing held back. That's the walk I really want in my life. Hebrews chapter 2. And in verse... Hmm. Well, verse 13. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children which God hath given me. For as much then, as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise also took part of the same. You know, just the mother's side. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. And deliver them who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So when you have Christ, are you delivered from the fear of death? And the answer is, is an unreserved, uncontested, completely yes. We are delivered from the fear of death and we're not held by that bondage anymore. We're not pushed into decision making by it. We're not uh, caused to do things that we otherwise wouldn't do. Or we're not caused to hold back because what might happen. Some of you know that um, I, I'm a window washer, uh, besides uh, preaching from time to time. And uh, we do uh, high-rise work. You know, we go down on, we rappel on ropes down tall buildings. And uh, there's a difference between that kind of fear of death uh, and the fear of death we're talking here. When I look over the side, I realize that if I don't do things the way that I'm supposed to do it, I'm, I'm going to die. So I choose a different way of doing it. I, I make sure that my ropes are secure, my harness and everything else is in order, and the things that I should do, that's reasonable. You know, uh, That's the wisdom of God. He built those things into us. But, but to, to have your course of life and your decision-making governed by the fear of death, makes us into timid, uh, pushed around, pale Christians. And that's not what we've been called to. We've been called to a life of, of vivid, colorful, bold, out, out, you know, out there for the Lord kind of life with Him. It's not a, it's not a, a you know, a little mousy life. It is a bold life. The righteous are bold as a lion. Who does the lion fear? You know, no one. If you have life, then you, are, you have hope. It says that in Ecclesiastes. A uh, long time ago, I, I ran a little fellowship, that, and 
uh, I was young, kind of silly. We called it the Living Dog Fellowship. Uh, based on that scripture in Ecclesiastes, it says, a living dog, I should say, the dead, they don't know anything. But the living have hope because they're still alive. They, they still can do something, right? For a living dog is better than a dead lion. Uh, so as long as you draw breath, no matter how close you, or how far you may feel from death's door, as long as you draw breath, you have that hope that you can do for God the thing that he's called you to. Amen. Amen. It's beautiful. Uh, while I have breath, it says in a, a Psalm 146, I will praise the Lord. While I have breath, I will praise him. Glory to God. Glory to God. He is worthy to be glorified. And while I have breath, I can glorify him. Praise God. You know, Jesus had just fed the 5,000. He just got done doing that. Disciples got in the boat. They're rowing across the sea. Storm blows up. And they're just not making any headway. They're doing this. And the boat's just, it's just not even moving. They're just being pushed by that that uh, storm. And they look and they see Jesus walking toward them on the water, right through the storm. And you could tell that they still had some learning to do because they were frightened and they thought it was a ghost. And this was a um, part of the belief system of, of the Pharisee sect of, of Judaism at the time. They, they believed in ghosts like that. Well, no, it's his ghost, it's his ghost. And uh, that's when Peter said, well, if it's really you, Lord, ask me to come out and join you walking on the water, right? And so what did he do? He did. He got out of the boat, praise God, and he walked on the water going to Jesus. But when he saw the, the waves and the wind were boisterous, they were, you know, really coming up at him, he took his eyes off. He became, it says that he became frightened and he began to sink. And when Jesus pulled him up, gave him his hand, and took him up. He said, why were you afraid? Why were you afraid? I was with you. And he is always with us. If he's always with us, why are we afraid? Why, why would we doubt if he is with us? I, I don't have to rely on my ability it's like, oh, he's here. When I'm a little kid and I've got my big daddy and, and something comes up that needs to be done, I don't worry about it because he's there. He's going to take care of it. And how, what that does to my heart, what confidence that gives me, not in me, but in him, that he is able. So, but the question is, how then do we walk in life without fear, without worry eating away at, at our faith? How do we do that? You know, Peter's heart was to stand up for Jesus. You know, Jesus started saying, you know, these things are going to happen. I'm going to be delivered up. I'm going to be crucified. And Peter was like, 
no way, don't even say that. And he said, you know, get behind me, Satan. And then later on, when, when that company comes to arrest Jesus in the garden, Judas gives, gives him the kiss. You know, his sweet friend gives him a kiss. And, and Jesus is taken. Peter pulls out his sword and he strikes off that guy's ear. I mean, he was all in, right? Yes. But he still succumbed to fear. I mean, just a, a little maid girl, hours later, you know, a short time later, well, aren't, don't you have something to do with it? No, 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 no. I, oh, I, no, 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 I don't. No, oh, I don't. And what would cause a great man like Peter to, to succumb to fear like that when, when he was, you know, you know so gung-ho and so, so bold? And it reminds me of me when I make those kind of pronouncements. Oh, I'm always going to stand. I'll never forsake you, Lord. God is able to make me stand. I, I don't have the goods. And I think there's an important distinction there. If you get to the place where you're, you're thinking, well, I'm, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful till death. I'm never going to turn away. Huh. Yeah. It's the Lord that will never turn away from us. He is always with us. And He is able to be trusted. He's trustworthy. And without Him, we don't have the goods at all to continue in this life and to walk the way that He's called us. Praise God. So... And, you know, when Jesus was crucified, they all fled. And these were the ones that had walked with him personally for three years. They had been with him day after day. They had seen the things that he did, and they fled. They forsook him, left him alone. They still didn't have the goods. Yet, in Acts chapter 2, Peter stands before the same people, right? The same people that had accused Jesus and had condemned him to death. The powerful religious leaders in Jerusalem. And he said, you have taken him and by wicked hands you have crucified him. But I know that it's just through ignorance that you did it. In other words, you were just dumb. And this is, he's telling this to these educated, powerful, high position Pharisees. What made the difference? How could he do that when just days before, weeks before, he cowered before that maid girl in front of the fire that caused the 12 of them to flee, that caused them to lock themselves behind closed doors for fear of those Jews that had sentenced Jesus to death? What made that difference? How could they change so Quickly, overnight, you ladies who are married, have husbands, you know that your husbands don't change overnight, right? Like, in a few weeks, they're like a different person? Mm, Nope. But what caused that difference for Peter and the others? You know, that that they could be walking into the temple 
And there's that man who, who was lame from his mother's uh, womb. And he asked an alms. And something happened. Peter, it says Peter fastened his eyes upon him. What was that? That was a move of the Holy Spirit. That was a move of the Holy Spirit. He focused on him because Jesus had walked by that same guy so many times. It was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit that made that difference. It made all the difference. And this is what we need to, to be able to walk without fear is to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. Without that, then we are just blown about by whatever comes down the pike. They come and they say this. So we go that way. They come and they say this. We go that way. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, we are able to be led of Him. And without it, we're not. Without it, we're lost. We're just pushed around. And the time has come that a little bit of pushing off course here and a little bit of pushing off course there will be very consequential in a bad way for us. The time is to, is to follow closely and to be all in. If we've got that one foot back there, that little ace in the hole, that bridge, that just in case, it's going to spell doom for us, honestly. And I'm not saying anything other than what the Word says. I mean, look at Pentecost. Those same people in front of those same authorities that had Peter and the apostles locked down in fear, and now they're very much, they're not behind closed doors anymore. They're in front of thousands and declaring boldly what God would have them say. Um, Even in in Acts chapter 3. If you go there with me, Acts chapter 3, and there's so much of this in the book of Acts, but in uh, verse 14, but you denied you, he's pointing his finger, do you see the boldness, you denied the holy one and the just. And you desired a murderer, you know, that Barabbas, a murderer to be granted to you instead of Jesus. You knew it was wrong. It was you that did this. He's pointing his finger at him, right? And you killed the prince of life whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we're witnesses. And many were witnesses of this. And his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong, whom you see and know. You see and you know him. You've been watching him for years. You've seen him sitting there. Yea, the faith which is by him, by Jesus, hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. And then, brethren, I know that it's because you're stupid. That's what it says. Talk about, about boldness, about the righteous being as bold as a lion. In verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And that is where our refreshing comes from. And those who are walking in bondage everywhere need the refreshing that he will give. But those times of refreshing come with repentance before him, coming before him, opening our hearts and saying, this is where I am, Lord. I turn 
from all of these things. Come and live through me. Live through me, Lord. And the time of refreshing floods our soul. Everything changes. The Holy Spirit rushes in. And with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, he said, you're going to be witness to me. You're going to, you are going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You're going to be witnesses to me. And it's going to be with power. And that is exactly what happened. This new man, which is the church, suddenly, overnight, became a force in the world. And no matter what anybody did, nothing could come against that. The only thing that could come against the church was the church itself. You saw early indications of it with Ananias and Sapphira, who wanted to to look good in church and do this thing. And say, well, you know, we're doing this. You know, we're giving this much, but they, it was just for show. Peter said, well, that's not the issue. You know, it, when it was in your power, you could have done anything. But why are you lying to the Holy Ghost? You know, it's that not being all in, having that ace in the hole, wanting to, you know, wanting to look Christian. And if we could just strip away all of our pretenses and let, our, let ourselves be real and be led of the Holy Spirit and to walk in His power, we will see a new day in the church. I mean, it'll be a thing that we've not seen before in our lifetimes. But that, that, that is the, that's the hump that stands before so many of us. How can I be that real? How could I be that vulnerable? It's a popular word these days. It's a good word. How could I be that open to the Lord to open my heart and let him go into those places that I feared to let him in so that he can do the work that he so desperately wants to do? He's been wanting us all of our lives, all my life when I didn't know him, and I didn't know him from a box of rocks. I now know he was with me that whole time. He showed me. He showed me that times in my life that were so awful that I thought I was so alone, that he was actually there with me. He was grieving for me. He was desiring me. He was wanting me. He was protecting me. He was urging me. All of those things. At my worst moments, at the times that I walked away from him, horribly, he was with me, loving me, Wanting me, trying to to touch me. He is faithful and he's able to be trusted. And you think, well, I haven't been very good, and so how can God work you know in me? You know, I've done this and I've done that. But he he's he's wanting you, he's desiring you. He's been urging you. And the moment that you, re- that you return to him, the moment that you repent, the moment that you call out to him, he comes rushing in. He's not waiting for you to un- unwind your wrongs. He forgives and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And, and every time is a new start with him. He, he, wants, he wants to pull out that 
eraser of his and give you that clean slate every time so that you can walk in the power of God. That's what he's called us to, not just a Christian creed uh, or not just a way of being in the church, but to, a, a, to reality, the reality of the Christian walk. Oh, gosh, that's where I want to be. It is this new man. Well, I had a bunch more scriptures I was going to read, but I see that my time is, is coming on. But, you know, the word says, be anxious for nothing. Just don't let that come on you. But what do you do about it? But by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will rule your heart. You know, don't try to push back the anxiety, but by everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known, to, known unto God. And then the peace of God that passes all understanding, then it will, it will guard your heart, it will rule your heart. You will be able to walk without that anxiety eating at your faith. This is the word of God. You know, by... By taking thought, by worrying over something, the, Jesus said, you can't add even an inch to your stature. You, not even any. So why do we go there? Well, it happens to us. But when we do, when we worry, we can go to him with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Praise God. Praise God. I'd like for us to... Um, and worship team, I'm not sure who we have here. Uh, if we would just present our hearts to the Lord to give our fears that trouble us, our worries that trouble us, to come before him. And I'd like to give you a moment to just present those before him that he can come flooding into your heart with the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and bring forth from each one of us the thing that he's called. Can you imagine if he brings forth from each one of us what he has planned, what he has ordained for each one of our lives? What a glorious temple that he's occupying. How beautiful it will be. How widespread the influence how safe that refuge. What a shield for those who are in trouble. For those that, that are in fear. That they can safely abide there. How glorious it is to belong to him. I'd like to pray with you. Lord, I just thank you for your faithfulness, your kindness to us through Christ. How glorious it is to belong to you. Oh God. By myself I am nothing. But by my God. I've run through a troop. I leap over a wall. And I am bold as a lion. By you Lord. Wherever I have hesitation. Wherever we have hesitation Lord. Show us that you are the one who is worthy to be trusted. 
You are the one who, who fills our heart with that gift of faith. And we trust you for it, Lord. We love you and we give you honor and thanks in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord.